You're listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. The show is brought to you by Conversa, a podcasting agency that helps B2B brands start podcasts to connect with prospects, generate content, and grow brand awareness. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest today is Tom Kaur, Chief Marketing Officer at Greenfly, which is a platform for real-time digital asset management. Tom, hello. It's good to see you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Happy to be here. Yes, and we're very glad to have you. Thank you for your time. So let's dive right into our topic, which is the role that content marketing plays in expanding within an an existing account. So let's start right there. Why is it important to not underestimate the power of personas to help identify the challenges that your content needs to address? Sure. Let me start out by saying I'm coming at this from an enterprise perspective Mm -hmm. where it's more of a complex sale. It's not a simple small business sale. And so when we look at a customer, we look at different departments within that customer's, you know, ecosystem. Each of those departments has their own departmental goals and they have their own departmental challenges. They have their own departmental priority lists. And so when we look at personas, they're really representative of the figurehead in the department that we need to win over to sell our product. And sometimes that's a do more with less attitude. Sometimes it's a, I can generate more money attitude. It really depends on where that person, how that person thinks and what their, like I said, what their department goals are. So from a revenue driving side of the house to let's spend less money on the the marketing side or be more efficient with our dollars. It really depends on um, what, what makes them successful at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And so again, like our, our larger topic here is the role that content plays in getting more business within an account. So how is, is, is it, does it play more or less the same role that it does in content marketing when you're trying to get in an account in the first place? Or does content maybe play a different role? Do you need different kinds of content once you're already in an account and you want to expand within that account? So we look at content at three different levels from top of funnel to middle of funnel to bottom of funnel, right? So pretty standard. The top of funnel things we don't find very helpful in a sale or an expansion within a customer. So obviously that's really market awareness. It's really saying, Hey, there's a problem that you're maybe not aware of. We want to educate you on what the newest trends are, that kind of thing. When we get into the middle of funnel, that's where we really find that we're able to create effective content that helps sales along. So that's a level down. It's, we understand specifically what that, the challenge of that persona is. We understand specifically how they are looking at their world and what kind of friction this product will create or take away. We're looking at it from, uh, am I going to have to learn a new skill set? Do I need to train my team differently? So it's a lot more specific in that we can address these specific objections. We can address specific concerns 
or specific friction points, right? So it becomes more of a, a sales rebuttal type of content when we can mm. go through and address those most common questions so that the salesperson doesn't have to speak to everybody. They can say, hey, yeah. share this with your team. This has it's basically like an FAQ, but we obviously don't write it like an FAQ because no one wants to read an FAQ. So we try and yeah. tell a story around solving these objections. Okay. So let's say you're in an account and dealing with people in one area of the company, one department. Sure. How much can you assume if you want to expand into other areas of the company? And I, and I'm sure this differs from, you know, from situation to situation, but how much can you assume that other stakeholders within the company already know about your offering? Are you kind of starting from scratch more or less, or just cause I know things can get very siloed, you know, sure. and people in a company might not necessarily be talking to each other in that way. So it really depends on the structure of the company itself, right? So yeah. part of our discovery process is to understand how, you know, our primary targets are go about their buying process. If they use a centralized procurement process, if they are very independent budget wise, if, the, if multiple departments that are similar roll up to the same head. So I'll, I'll give you a couple different examples. We sell it to entertainment companies, TV networks, TV networks don't typically buy anything unless it's specifically for a show. Obviously there's, there is corporate wide, um, technology deployment, which will be taken on by the IT department. But from our perspective, unless the producer of a show finds our technology valuable, they're not going to go and dig into their TV, their show's budget to buy it. And even if they do, they typically don't talk to other shows. Maybe, maybe they do, but it's much more of an interpersonal relationship in that case, not an official channel of, of evangelism. So when we sell to an entertainment company, most likely we're going to have to go show by show. And so we'll ask our contacts if they have personal referrals, if they can connect us with these other people. So we're not going in cold, but we're fine. We find that the sale has to repeat itself. And sometimes we'll even get a network wide or, or company wide contract with procurement, but we still need to go sell to these individual shows. Mm -hmm. So it almost is like starting from scratch. The procurement process becomes a lot easier once you have that, say, corporate MSA set up, but selling doesn't become easier. Mm -hmm. So what have you learned over the years about what not to do when it comes to expanding within a given account, especially as that impacts content? The lessons that I've learned is not to go to someone's boss without making sure that they know that you're going to be mm. talking to someone's boss. But from a content perspective, the, the our story needs to be very repeatable and very easy to understand. And whether or not we're going for a, you know, a simple overview type of piece of content that everyone can read to a very detailed piece of content, we can't stray from the the same benefits that we're delivering, right? It just gets more detailed so that someone who's maybe operating the software rather than someone who's purchasing the software have the same general understanding on, on benefits, on main pieces of functionality. And we're trying to facilitate the, the flow of information between, between the two of them. So they have common talking points. I've seen companies that I've stepped into with different pieces of content for different 
people within the same department and they conflict with each other. So the, you know, the worst thing you could do is say, all right, Mr. Budget Owner, you can eliminate some of your staff by automating. And then the staff see that and they're like, wait, I'm not going to go buy this piece of software. That's bad for me. So right. yeah, you have to you have to tread gently and make sure that everyone gets their their needs met in every piece. Okay. Because the content will float from person to person if it's good content. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a that's an interesting example you mentioned. I mean, I, I know that was sort of a hypothetical, but you know, if you do have a solution that no, would it's real. I've seen that before. Okay, you know that that would help reduce headcount. I mean. Well, what do you do? Because if you put that content out there, I mean, like you just said, it, it can get passed to, you know, person to person. How do you keep content that really is aimed at one? It might just be one person or one group of people. And you really don't want another group of people seeing it. You know, is there anything you can do to prevent that? I don't specifically have that issue right now at Greenfly. I would imagine if you're trying to sell offshoring customer support services, that might be an issue, right? Where you really want to only talk to the people that are going to be saving money and heads and are going to have to be doing the layoffs. That kind of content is fairly easily contained because the people doing the work are typically not shopping for software, right? They're not right. part of the yeah. buying committee. Where the overlap on content really happens is if someone is part of the buying committee, they have rights or they're, they're going to have some influence on that buying decision. That's when the, the content needs to be very similar. So I think it, it is naturally contained in a way mm -hmm. in a situation like that, but there's nothing that you can do to gate content that isn't in some way inconvenient or offensive to whoever you're trying to get to read the content, right? So you could put it on your website and make sure it's not downloadable, but that link right. can still be shared. Unless yeah. it expires, unless it's a Snapchat post and you're just expiring the content right. after they read it. Right. Well, I guess the larger point, I think the larger point you're making is you just know your audience within, in, in, in every case, but especially within an enterprise account, know your audience from one, from one department to the next and shift yep. the content accordingly. And that's really one of the things that I think I've really tried to focus on in the past few years is you know, enterprise sales are getting more complicated. There's more research being done upfront before there's outreach to the companies that seem to fit the, the requirements of the, the buyer and buying committees aren't as formal. So there's a lot more influence that is hidden inside these companies. And so once we, once you start thinking of, all right, I've got to convince a buying committee to go with my product rather than a single person or an advocate within the company, it becomes a different equation. It becomes a bigger problem to solve. And you actually don't start stop marketing even after you're into the opportunity with your advocate. You really want to mm -hmm. continue to educate other people in the company because they may or may not be influential. They may or may not run into that project coming to to fruition within the company yeah. so marketing has a additional additional influence in opportunities even after the opportunity gets opened where previously in enterprise sales and SaaS sales the salesperson would say all right stop marketing we're in we have a meeting we're good right and 
I'm finding that there's a lot more overlap now with sales and marketing working at the same time mm. to convince a bigger group of people with content in that company. Yeah, right. That's a really good point. Because I guess all it all it takes is for someone else to join the, the discussion about should we buy this product or not. And they can right. scuttle the whole thing after months of meetings and work and you're this close and then someone or another group joins and they ask another set of questions and you're done. Yes, that can happen exactly just like that. Right. Which really um, sucks when it, when it happens. Some, yeah. And sometimes we find reorganizations happen during the buying yeah. process, right? If, it, if you have a long sales cycle, someone's going to get reorganized and put in a position where maybe they yeah. didn't agree with what the, their predecessor or their boss was doing. And now they're in charge. So it, you really need to have content that speaks to all of these different personas and needs. Yeah. Always be marketing. Always be marketing. There you go. Well, Tom, I just have one last question for you, which is how can people connect with you? Best place for me is LinkedIn. So Tom Core, there aren't that many of us. I have a fairly unique last name, but mm -hmm. that's that's where I tend to, uh, to hang out the most. I'm also on Twitter at, at Tom Core. Okay, excellent. Well, we'll put a link to your LinkedIn bio in the show notes. And uh, well, thank you so much for your time, Tom. Really enjoyed our discussion. Very enlightening. Happy to be here, Jeremy. Thank you. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.